0: Hey y'all, welcome to Sermons at Centerpoint. I'm Pastor Chris Lorette, and we're so glad that you chose to join us today. Our scripture text today, in the event that you're interested in following along, are Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, and Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. It is this latter text that this week's sermon is derived out of. Jesus calls Peter, as well as the rest of his apostles, to not just forgive people a little bit, but to forgive them a lot. In fact, the words he uses are 70 times 7. We're going to explore this idea, as well as what the concept of forgiveness is all about. Not just repairing the relationship between you and the person who messed up, but helping for you to move on as well. Well, I won't say any more about this week's sermon and I'll just let you lessen in, but God bless and I hope you have a great week.
1: The scripture comes from Romans 14, verses 1 through 12. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of others? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than the next, while the others judge others I'm sorry for others judge all days to be alike let all be fully convinced in their own minds those who observe the day observe it in honor of the Lord and those who eat eat in honor of the Lord since they give thanks to God while those who abstain abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God we do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and lived again so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you? why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: My apologies. If you'd stand now for our gospel reading, which is Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35 hear the word of the lord then peter came and said to him lord if another member of the church sins against me how often should i forgive as many as seven times and jesus said to him not seven times but i tell you 77 times for this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children, and all his possessions in payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. You may be seated. So as we've talked about before, Context is everything. Within this verse, we have Peter coming up to Jesus and asking him specifically, what if my brother sins against me? What do I do? And I'm certain all of us can probably sympathize with what is going through Peter's heart. There are some people in our lives that despite our love, despite our steadfastness, they seem to break our heart over and over again. Or maybe it's not break our heart, but perhaps maybe it's they made a mistake and we're just frustrated or we're tired of it. So one of the things that Peter, uh, when uh, Peter says this, Jesus, uh, he says, should I forgive him up to seven times. Now, a lot of the times when we jump to this 70 by 7 part, we just think, wow, that's a lot. In fact, if you're anything like I was when I was a kid, I thought to myself, man, 490 times seems like a lot of times to forgive somebody. But it's actually more than that. One of the things that a lot of commentary people talk about is how the seven was supposed to be a divine or a holy number that represented perfection. So when Peter was saying seven times, he was alluding to this, not necessarily meaning exactly seven times, but that should I forgive, essentially so that I'm in the heart and in line with the heart of God. But how Jesus replies is telling Seventy times seven. He doesn't take just one divine number, but he multiplies it. As if to say, if you're going to be in the heart of God, if you're going to be totally in line with who our God is, we're called to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ that much. And so he goes on and he uses this parable to explain exactly what he means. And it's pretty clear in fact, I think some of Jesus' parables can be a little bit confusing. But for this one, to me, personally, it's more clear: There are two slaves working for their Lord. There are two Christians ministering aside from one alongside the other. We have been forgiven to an infinite amount. And in another case of hyperbole, Jesus actually says it within this scripture. How much this first slave owes. He says 10,000 talents. Now talent back then was a lot of money. So one talent alone is a lot. So Jesus wants to make it abundantly clear how forgiving this Lord is to his slave. 10,000 talents. It would be the equivalent of what Jeff Bezos has. Billions upon billions of dollars. This is the forgiveness of, of the Lord in the parable and of our God. And it would do us well to place ourselves into the feet of this first slave and to remember that forgiveness to which we have received. Because the Bible, and Jesus later on in this parable, makes it clear that when this one slave holds this other accountable for 30 denarii, which is infinitely smaller, the slave comes the Lord comes in to set things right and hold that first slave accountable. Now, when we're talking about the subject of forgiveness, it can be a real touchy and hard subject for some. Because people who here has been cheated? You could raise your hand. Or who here has been betrayed? Who here has been hurt by someone that they were close to? And it could be hard for us with that person in our mind's eye to think about forgiving them. And I don't want to just turn this into a command because that's not what Christ is doing here. It's more than that. It's more than just a rule for us to follow. But it's a deeper way of living. He reminds us after this parable in verse 35, so my heavenly Father will also do for every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And here is the clincher. From your heart. Some of us have with empty words said the words I forgive or asked for forgiveness. But it is another matter entirely to forgive that person in our heart. And I think all of you know what I'm talking about. I know for me, personally, personally, that I've given the words. And I've justified maybe not meaning it in my heart. But God calls us to something greater. God calls us to something better. God calls us to something more. And one of the ultimate acts of forgiveness, and the same type of forgiveness that Jesus Christ is talking about, we have to fast forward to after the crucifixion. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And he's walking along the beach only to see his apostles, his disciples, Peter, fishing from a boat. Peter's so excited that he swims to shore and sees Jesus. And the first thing that he says is, Peter... Do you love me? Peter begins talking and he says, Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. There's no anger in the Lord's voice. There's no grudge. There's no reminding Peter of his betrayal, of how he refused to acknowledge the fact that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's compassion, there's forgiveness. If our Savior, who took the slings and arrows from his own apostles, could forgive, what then are we called to do? So there's the element of what God is calling from us for forgiveness. Just as a matter of of us being his apostles, or his disciples. (laughs) Because that is what the Christian faith entails. I said last week about the 70 times 7, that it is not easy. And it's important to reinforce that again. This is a path that's not for the faint of heart. Because what we are called to do is reflect the heart of our Creator. That's not going to be easy. It is quite the test. But it's what we're called to do. Now, there is an element of forgiveness that is about restoration of relationship of making things right again of absorbing the blow to move forward but there's an also there's also an element to forgiveness that heals our own hearts there is um for those of you who watch television there is a show called how I met your mother and in this particular episode This uh, one of the main characters of the cast, her name is Robin, she has these things that she is struggling with with her father. Just ways that he was never really a proper father, ways that he could have loved her, ways that he didn't love her. Like a little girl should be. Like any child should be. And this whole episode revolves around her relationship with her dad and how she is holding up this resentment in her heart. And so one of the things that they do, there's this sequence where you can almost like go into her mind's eye and she's just so angry and you see her just digging this hole to punish her father in her mind's eye. Just digging this hole, digging it, and digging it, and digging it. And there's no way out. And I remember seeing that, and I remember thinking, how appropriate. The rage and the resentment that we hold on to, the bitterness that it manifests in, ends up hurting ourselves more than it ends up hurting these people that we're angry at. I forget where, but in one of the commentaries I was reading this week, it was a rabbi talking to an ex-con. And this ex-con was just so angry at the circumstances for why he was and it was like a wrongful imprisonment type thing. And uh, he responds to this ex-con and he says, are you still angry at, at this, at the prison warden? And uh the ex-con responds and says, yeah. And the rabbi responds with, well, it sounds like you're still imprisoned. Because these, these hates, these angers, these things that we hold on to, this, yes, this is our calling as Christians to show the love and the mercy And the goodness of our creator. But a significant portion of this, because we do worship the God of healing, of restoration, of goodness, isn't just about restoring our relationships with these people, but about restoring ourselves as well. Because God doesn't leave us alone to wallow where we are. But he moves us to a brighter future and a bigger goodness. And it's hard. It's hard to let go of those things which we want to hold on to. It's hard to let go of that anger that is entirely justified. But it prevents us and it holds us back from drawing closer to our Creator. This isn't just about what God is calling us to do, this is also about the God of the universe through forgiveness. And repentance restoring you. Restoring these relationships. You know, the word Christian, back when it came out, essentially meant little Christs. And it's true. Not in the sense that we are dying for people's sins. (laughs) But in the sense that we are exhibiting that same type of love and forgiveness and care. That same type of gentleness. I've talked about it before and I just kind of want to end on this. And it's not necessarily super connected to the sermon, but I feel like it's a prevalent point. Um, this week, for my classes at Moody, I had to talk about a person who has impacted my faith journey. Somebody who's spoken to it, and I cheated. Um, not that I like, copied somebody's thing, but I used like, the whole church that I grew up on. And I named a bunch of names from the different people that had blessed me. And, um, and how it was their love and how it was their kindness and how it was their goodness that helped me to see Christ all the more. That it was despite my failures and my brokenness and their loving me through it and forgiving me through it that I was able to see Christ. And that I was able to be, hopefully, that same person, a person that was discipled by that love and that grace and that forgiveness and that goodness to go out and be the same in this world because here is the final thing about this forgiveness. We're called to it Absolutely. It doesn't just heal our relationships, but it heals ourselves. And it's like a boulder going down a mountain that can't be stopped. A boulder of healing. (laughs) That momentum picks up and it can't be stopped. I'm walking evidence of that and of the saints that impacted that church and those people at that church and the people before them that impacted them. You see this forgiveness that God is calling us to it's not just about this one moment. It's about the greater idea of what is going on with the church and the culture that we are creating and the kingdom that God is bringing down into this world through our acts of forgiveness. Through our forgiving people 70 times 7. There is absolutely the small scope of of this person's relationship with this person and the healness and the wholeness that happens when we are forgiving people and when we are entering into that but then there is the greater scope of how that is impacting our communities our churches our relationships and it has a rippling effect because we're going from being people who are perpetuating broken systems of sin and violence and hurt in this world to being a people that are starting something new and are helping to establish a better system and a good system, something that people get wrapped up in to where they too also can feel that forgiveness and that love and that goodness and that mercy. See, what that church did for me wasn't just a singular thing, because look where I am now. Look what I'm doing now. Your acts of forgiveness, your acts of of being in accordance with the heart of Christ are more than just one singular moment and one singular person. But they become a gravity in and unto themselves. They become systems in and unto themselves that begin working in this world, whether you know it or not. When I moved on from that church, I brought all that I had learned and all that I had felt and all that was discipled unto me and all that was ministered unto me into the rest of the world. And so did Peter. And so did Simon. And so did all of the rest of the apostles. Because it's not just about one moment of forgiveness. We are entering into something bigger. We are entering into God's Plan of staking out his kingdom in this world through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, brothers and sisters, welcome. It's bigger, it's harder. And it will take everything you have from you, but the kingdom is worth it. The salvation is worth it. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you We thank you for being our God and forgiving us. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all of those saints which have blessed us, who have been you to us, who've helped us to see a better kingdom than that of this world. Father God, you are good. Thank you. Help us in the time ahead and send us your Holy Spirit to do your will and to be little Christ's. In your name we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.